This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Good morning, good morning. Professor Ward Scott here in the Piney Woods of North Central Florida in God's country. In uh, the Warthog Command Center inside the Melton Law Studio, of course, our great supporter, the only official law firm partner of the University of Florida Gators, full-service law firm, protected 24-7, 365, of course, by crime prevention locally. Monitor yourself locally. It's the best way to do it with Randy Elrad and John Pastore, longtime friends of the show. Support our sponsors. We see them scrolling across the screen. And let me remind you of the one we just recently put up called CaliberCoffeeCompany.com. Faith Family Firearms and Coffee, free shipping, $50 plus. Keep your eye on that. It is a family business that is starting right out of the source from farms all over the world, roasted locally, however, bringing you the freshest batch possible. And, of course, we have some other sponsors there. Uh, RR Construction been loyal to us for a long, long time, uh, Lance Loner and his crew. And, of course, you may go to Shoot GTR. Big supporter of ours, the only range in Alachua County that's outdoors and very, very well taken care of. Full service. You may get all kinds of training there. Um, very safe. I shoot there myself. I'm good friends with those people and they've been um, absolutely solid. And I don't believe they could get zoned today for that range. It's grandfathered in, so to speak. I don't think the liberal fathers and mothers of so called high moral standards in Alachua County whatever, go for it. So it is a special place. Allstate, yeah. Julia Lucasio, local lady who's been with us in the community, uh, et cetera, et cetera. We'll cover them as we go. Of course, Wednesday is our Ted Yoho day. Ted Yoho is as steady as the sun rising and setting, and he can be in various places and see it rising and setting in different time zones. Uh, he's <laughs> currently in, I think, the same one we're in, but he's in the Keys. I'm in you know, the Marathon. Huh? I'm in the marathon area. Yeah, he's in the marathon area. And, uh, you know, what better way can you have your morning coffee than to be on the Ward Scott Files with Ted and asking us questions about whatever's on your mind uh, in the political world. America, be able to do that, coffee and uh, sitting here in the Keys. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I'm looking at our chat uh, line, checking in here. If you have something that you'd like to pass along, put it in the chat line. I'll get it into uh, Ted, and we'll have a conversation about it. And um, Ted, I want to start basically with the list you compiled last time we talked last Wednesday that I've written down as kind of the big items that are not being addressed in the American political scene while we go through these, you know, inquisitions, I guess, medieval inquisitions into, I don't know, uh, Debt was number one thing that was on your mind. That's getting worse. China. China I see debt. China, and I see it, Wall Street Journal that China's kind of struggling itself in many ways. Maybe we can elaborate on that. Of course, the border sanctuary cities are now crying for help. We can talk about that. Oh, whoa. I don't have much sympathy for them. And, you know, this is probably the bad side of me. But um, they asked for it. They didn't support closing the border or policing the border. Right. Of course, election laws. We have an interesting election we can talk about, perhaps, Ted, in Ohio, where they were going to try to change the uh, difficulty of changing the Constitution. Left it easy to do because they're anticipating uh, wanting to get a lax rule on the books about abortion. And, of course, the all-umbrella term, which covers so many things, the Obamanization of America, which you keep coming back to, which I really enjoy hearing you talk about. And of course, I got to say this, 
people know that you're on regularly and ask me all the time, will he go back to D.C.? And I said, I don't know. I tell you what, if you've got a sound character, it's pretty tough to take that place. And I think that might be a little bit of the problem that Ted has with going back with that crowd. Uh, they are really, uh, well, we'll get into that. I got a couple of uh, Wall Street Journal articles about that, Ted. But anyway, bring, bring I've, me I've, back to that towards the end, and I'll tell you what my plans were, but we put them on hold. Okay. Okay. We'll do that. I want you to do that. So, uh, Ted, what do you want to take up first? Uh, I want to hear your you know, opine on things, and that's what we got you for, and we enjoy it. Sure. Well, it's interesting you brought up you know, that list because those are the things that really ought to be addressed, and they're not addressing those the way they should. Um, we're going to see an ugly budget fight come up September at the end of September, and that's, of course, when they have to fund the government. And they're supposed to fund the government according to the 12 appropriations that are supposed to go through what we call regular order. It means th- those committees of jurisdiction, like um, uh, the Agriculture Committee, um, you know, transportation, infrastructure, energy, and commerce, all those bills are supposed to go through those committees. They come out with those bills and they get voted on to fund the government. But what happens is there's so much um, dysfunction up there that they can't get through the committees the way they're supposed to. They can't get what we call markups where they bring them up ready to go uh, for authorization for, or for approval for spending. And so they, they go to the very end and they go through what we call um, they, they do an omnibus bill or a continuing resolution, which is a dysfunction of the process and the people up there because they're not focusing on the important things. And you brought up that, you know, what I see and what other people will say is the biggest uh, security threat to America is our debt. And it's interesting. I'm reading uh, the Wall Street Journal, Washington stages a peacetime fiscal blowout. And the, uh, it says that our debt right now is at $1.62 trillion for the first 10 months of the fiscal year, according to the CBO Congressional Budget Office monthly review. That's up from $726 billion a year earlier. So it's it's more than double of what it was a year ago. And if it wasn't for some uh, financial wranglings up there, moving money from this pot to that pot, that deficit would be at $1.7 trillion, which is a 131% increase over a year ago. And, uh, you know, it's just they're blowing, they're spending money like drunken sailors. And, you know, this is after the astounding thing. This is after um, COVID, the crisis has passed. There's no domestic emergencies to address. And uh, this is a time when deficits are supposed to come down during these times. And we went up 131%. And as you and I have talked about, just the interest on our deficit or, you know, our shortfalls is more than we're spending on our military. And it's the first time I ever remember that happening. Um, And it's unsustainable. People like David Rubenstein and, you know, other smart people, your Warren Buffett's and all that are saying that we can't go on this way. And so, Getting back to what you brought up, Congress is doing a lot of hearings on fentanyl, on transgenderism, on um, wokeism, um, UFOs. We've got to throw the UFOs in there. And um, they're not, and Hunter Biden, they spent a lot of time on Hunter Biden. And, and, you know, that stuff, it's all important. But when you triage something in an emergency room, you know, if a guy's got a hangnail or, you know, he's got a, a splinter in his foot, but he's been he's been run over by a train. You don't worry about those things. You go after the things that are going to save the life of that patient. The patient is America, and uh, they're not doing that. And this is one of my frustrations. They, they there's so much busy work up there in Washington with committee hearings and receptions and all these things, and then you know the nonstop fundraising that a lot of these people do, which I didn't participate in. Those I had very few. Uh, fundraising events in Washington in my eight years up there. And, uh, you know, it's just they spend too much time worrying about re-election. And we've talked a lot about that. Your politicians worry about re-elections. Your statesmen worry about the next generations. We Until we get people up there that are focusing on these major issues, 
our debt, China, our border, uh, supply chain issues, critical minerals, things like that. Um, you're going to see this country continue to uh, erode away into a third world country or lose its presence as the world leader and will become second tier or third tier, you know, God forbid. But uh, that's right there around the corner. Excellent summation. You know, we have Phil Kirpin on sometimes, president of the American Commitment Think Tank in D.C., very conservative organization, very thorough. Maybe you know about them. Uh, they may have, um, con- you know, you may have been in contact with them when you were there. Um, you know, you mentioned the climate and all that. We are actually, according to Phil and American Commitment, the leader in fossil fuel now ahead of Saudi Arabia, but we can't go after it. We can't yeah. do it. Huh? Because of this well, obsession with controlling nature. Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to get off my I mean, just the lunacy of that statement, you know, and that's the mindset of the Washington elite is thinking they can control nature. Hell, they can't get homelessness in any of these cities under control. They can't get, I'm saying they can't, they can get immigration under control if they wanted to. <clears throat> But it's a political tool. And, uh, you know, you hear all the arguments that the Democrats are letting people come in on check to dilute the Anglo-Saxon population. And, you know, uh, and then they'll accuse us of saying that's why they're doing it. Well, it's kind of true. That's why they're doing it. And uh, they want a multicultural coexisting America. And, uh, you know, by doing that, you lose the values of what America is. And they would love to have America not be the uh, uh, sovereign nation that it is with the national pride that it has. And, um, you know, and they walk away from that when they're challenged on that. But that's really part of their game plan. If a weekend America is there, then the world can dictate stuff out of the UN and out of the World Health Organization and World Economic Forum and so that they can control all the resources. And I truly believe that's a big portion of what they're trying to do. And going back to oil, I think any leader of any country should look internally. What can we do to make our country stronger, better, and more productive, uh, better opportunities for people? And they should do those things. And energy is one of the very basic things that everybody needs. You've got to have a certain amount of energy. It's got to be reliable. It's got to be uh, accessible. And it's got to be affordable. And we have the ability to do that. You know, and, um, you know, they're so much worried about the, the world order. If we start pumping too much, Saudis get mad, the Russians get mad. Well, those people are going to be mad anyways. And I think it's time we have leaders that look internally what's best for America. And this was, of course, part of what Trump was doing, make America great again. He was focused on what made this country stronger. And, um, you know, we got resistance, not just from the Democrats, but from the Republicans, too. And, uh you know, it's a shame that you can't get a leader in there. And at the same time, a united body around him to support the initiatives. And Congress ought to be able to put forth measures that say, we are going to do energy um, policies that create energy independence using our resources here. We're going to use them better. We're going to be environmentally sound. And we're going to explore new technologies like hydrogen or small nuclear reactors. And set that as a policy of the United States of America. And a president can't come in and change it on a whim. You know, you get a green energy president. He wants to change everything to wind turbines and, you know, solar, which I don't have a problem with those things. But they can't. They will not provide baseline energy. And so that policy should be the policy of the United States of America. And, of course, the president could alter that in times of emergency war and things like that. Um, but we don't do those things. You know, Congress gets in there, they get their chairmanships, and then they want the, the limelight and the fanfare of having hearings on Hunter Biden or transgenderism or some of the UFOs, and, and they make a splash, but it doesn't make a difference. You know, I'm, I'm, um, Kimberly Strasser, whom I don't always agree with, but I read, mm-hmm. opines in the Wall Street Journal, as you know, last Friday, uh, took issue with um, this idea uh, that Jack Smith is promoting uh, that, you know, uh, Trump defrauded the United States. And right. she makes the point, she makes the point that, okay, if that's what you're going to claim, 
Let's go through and see how many other politicians have done that. Um, right. Both Al Gore and George Bush, W. Bush filed lawsuits in the 2000 election that contained bold, untested legal claims. Um, surely they had advisors who told them privately that they had legitimately lost, but they fought on. Uh, and she says, why limit the theory to just election claims in 2014? You would have been around for this in D.C., I'm sure. Correct me if I'm wrong or she's wrong. 2014, uh, the justices, Supreme Court justices, held unanimously that President Barack Obama had violated the Constitution by decreeing that the Senate was in recess so that he could install several appointees without confirmation. Were you around for that one? <laughs> sure was. Yeah. And outrageous. Yeah. Uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, he did. He he did so many nefarious things like that. And, uh, you know, DACA is something he did after 23 or 26 times saying he had no executive authority to do that. But he went ahead and did it anyways. And that case that you just brought up about the Supreme Court uh, and and they said he had no legitimacy in doing that. He did it anyways. And see, this is where the Democrats are very bold. They do those things. Republicans come in and they. They bitch, moan, and whine about, oh, my God, look at what they did. And they, they throw their arms up, but they don't have a strategy to undo what they did. And that's the thing with the abomination of the nation. You look at the election laws that Nancy Pelosi changed through the John Lewis uh, Voting Civil Rights Act. Um, those things need to be undone because if they're not undone, they're permanently in place like Obamacare. It was illegal. And, and yet the Democrats did it. We, for all the years I was in Congress, tried to uh, repeal it, except my last year there, my last Congress. Of course, we had Kevin McCarthy as our fearless leader. And and so the Democrats go ahead, put in bad policies, even if they're illegal, and then they back away from it. And the Republicans run around with a, like a chicken with their head cut off. It's Then I said this in a Republican conference with uh, John Boehner. I said, Barack Obama is like the adult in a room with kindergartens playing duck, duck, goose. And he's running around slapping them on the shoulder or the head. And we're looking around like, what was that? You know, he had a very strategic plan and it's been carried through, uh, through the Biden administration. And thank God Hillary didn't get in there because we would have had three socialist agendas by strong administrations and more importantly, strong bureaucracy supporting those that it would forever change this country. And we're on the precipice right now, forever changing this country. You know, um, the and not for better. <laughs> right, right, right. Exactly. The other thing that Trump, I think is right about, he laments the Democrats stick together, you know, one lies oh, yeah. they cover it. We don't do that. Republicans don't do that. They, they, yeah, break like up flies on a third. I don't, I don't think the Democrats have a Romney, for example, no, no. Yeah. You know, well, they, they've run those out. Um, yeah. In fact, I talked to the last blue dog Democrat yesterday. He's a veterinarian out of Oregon, Kurt Schrader. Um, he was he was very moderate on the Democrat side. He would challenge them. And but he he had good principles. Romney doesn't have principles. You know, he's just a, he, he's terrible. And um, uh, the squad went after Kurt Schrader and they ran him out of Congress. They did that with. Uh, several people that were moderate blue dog Democrats, the squad got rid of them. So there was no dissent. If you have something in the chat line, I'm taking a look at the chat line right now. We're talking with Ted Yoho. Ray Stern says the last time we had a balanced budget was in the mid 1990s. And the national right. debt was about 4.5 trillion at that time. And let's That's see right. what else we got there. As federal That's spending correct. continues, unbated interest rates rise. The debt service interest on the debt is used is rising at an unsustainable pace. You know, it's interesting when I was practicing, we were, we were doing pretty good. My wife was working and we had, we had more discretionary income at the end of the month than uh, we'd had before. And so we were buying things and, you know, come tax season one year, I, I'll never forget this. My tax, the interest on my debt was $60,000 a year. That's $5,000 a month, just on interest on stuff. And, oh, wow. and that, that was a wake up call. And Carolyn and I talked about it and we went through a massive debt reduction. We sold stuff. We, we paid off stuff. And, 
you know, that's what our government needs to do. And it's funny, this article I was referring to in the Wall Street Journal, um, it was astounding that the Beltway blowout is happening when the economy is growing, you know, no COVID crisis, no domestic emergencies. And this is when we're supposed to pay down our debt, um, as they did during the economic expansion of the 80s, 90s, and 2000s. Deficits also fell under President Obama after Republicans gained control of the House in 2010. So the Republicans came in, and as dysfunctional as they are, they got spending down. We had um, uh, pay, pay go, and then we had no budget, no pay, um, which is a kind of a campaign gimmick, that if we can't get our budget, we're not going to get paid, and everybody knew that wasn't going to happen. But, you know, we saw spending go down, and now here we don't have a war. We've got mm-hmm. this stuff going on um, with uh, the green energy. And just the green energy, I sent a friend yesterday an article, the green energy initiatives under Biden is going to cost over a trillion dollars in the next few years, a trillion dollars. And it's not going to do anything with the CO2 emissions. I mean, they're ludic- it's lunacy. And, um, you know, I think we should be putting that money into new forms of energy like hydrogen, uh, ethanol, um, methanol that we can get out of garbage and small nuclear reactors and yeah use wind and solar where it makes sense you know there's a poll i'm sure you've heard about it, seen it you we read a lot of the same things tremendous number of people more than half of the people feel that there's no hope for the new election coming up in 2024 it won't be fair it won't be trustworthy um they've lost you know that's when that institution, because I'm looking at your list, the election laws, maybe we can go to that one. When that institution goes, and they, the Democrats have done a hell of a job at eroding it, and they've done it through private money being allowed in public elections, Zuckerbucks and Soros and these guys. When you allow private money to be pumped into, and they did it under the cover of COVID by financing absentee ballots, which I don't. Our research shows you can't validate them worth a, worth a tinker's damn. Um, no, you can't. You don't have any idea where that ballot came from when push comes to shove. But the Democrats have done, I was thinking about all the instant, we're going to cover all this, hopefully. The Supreme Court, for example, wanting to bring them through ethics. You know, Oh, come on. They have the nerve in Congress to ask some other institutional group to live up to, are you kidding me? And we'll you know, put Adam Schiff in charge of that. Good God, that's a card-carrying liar. Uh, pencil neck is, for God's sake. Well, well, take it, take this. I mean, here's a guy that lied for the the three or four years of that investigation. It was proven he was a liar. They, he gets censored in Congress, which is uh, I think he's only the, like the twelfth person in our history that has been censored. And uh, they threatened to censor me over the AOC thing. And um, uh, and he's outraised any senatorial candidate in the history of the United States in California to replace Feinstein. And this is how how split we are as Americans. You've got it's a dichotomy. You've got people that will support a known liar like that or like Joe Biden. All the things he if you go through his history, the plagiarisms, the things he lied about being top of his law class and having a. Um, a scholarship uh, to go to law school. All those were lies. Nobody holds them accountable. Trump on the other side, I mean, he told some mighty big stories and and fabrications and lies too. Um, But he was looking at the very basic fundamental principles of America. And I'm not saying that makes it right versus this makes it wrong, you know, but I think it points to the people that we're bringing up as leaders of this nation. Um, I just hope there's somebody or, you know, if it's president Trump that, he puts the sideshow away and he gets to work as a businessman and makes his country and brings it together as the United States of America. I'm with Ted Yoho here now, about five minutes left before our bottom of the hour break. Um, Jim Murphy, who's a great supporter of the show, um, says we're close to being unrecoverable as a constitutional republic. we, We agree with you on that, Jim, and that's why Ted and I keep coming back to the show, doing our part 
to do what we can do, sending notes in a bottle out off the island, if you will, getting yeah. into the shipping lanes, we hope. And it's um, going to be a real test, as we all know, 2024. And we just referenced, if you're just tuning in, to the fact that elections are not trustworthy anymore. They never really probably were once we stopped voting on one day and having IDs, you know, once right. we loosened all that up, I like to I like to suggest that voting now is all you have to do to vote is be able to break a make a fog on a mirror when you that's breathe. Right. That, you know, and they do that in a lot of the nursing homes. They have these groups really? that'll go there to these nursing homes where there's no uh, uh, family members, and they'll they'll take their ballot and they'll pretend like they're have, helping that person fill it out. I mean, that's been proven. And so this goes back to the integrity of the voting. There, there's been a, an erosion of trust in our voting system. And that's something we've seen a, a steady progression probably since Warren Bush. And so you look at what Pelosi put in, um, the John Lewis uh, Civil Rights Voting Act. You know, it's one of those things that are named that if you vote against it, you're an automatic racist, which is ludicrous. Because what that did is it extended uh, uh, mail-in ballots, it extended the voting period of time, it extended the amount of um, uh, ballot boxes, you know, the drop boxes, and it had no signature verification, no residency verification, and um, it, it, those things happened. Yet today in the developed world, we're the only country that does this. France, England, Denmark all got rid of early voting and those things. They vote on election day. And the Republicans could be pushing this initiative forward right now. And being an election year, they might even get Democratic support um, um, in the Senate. You know, Kristen Sinema and um, uh, Joe Manchin, they may be willing to say, yeah, let's make these where they're reliable and get our uh, integrity and uh, the trust in our voting system back. Because if you don't have that, you don't have trust in the government. You look at this all the stuff where people don't have trust in the FBI, the CDC, and these other agencies. Um, it's time that we have, again, it goes back to a national leader with a national agenda saying, this is what we're going to do and ask Congress to bring me this, this legislation and I will sign this. One of the things that scares me about Trump is he says he wants more executive orders or privileges. And I think that's the wrong thing to do. You know, um, if he's got something that urgent, let's bring it up in legislation and let's roll back maybe the administrative state, you know, agency by agency is what you could do. But to do it by executive order, the next president can come in and erase all that. So you've got a, you know, it's a, like a seesaw. You're up and down, you're up and down. And it over time, everything tends to become more liberalized. On the Ted Yoho, who is in Marathon in the Keys, but is as uh, regular on Wednesdays as the sun rising and setting, what I like to say. And uh, tunes in a few minutes early. We actually get to chat, just he and I, a little bit before we go on the air. It's been a great uh, resource to our community, a great resource to you, the viewers and listeners. And we appreciate your support of our show by donations and, of course, by sponsorship. Style Cuts, I'm looking at on the screen right now. Great guy, David Ratliff. Go down to Style Cuts and get... Um, get your ears set out there, as my father used to say, or get yourself policed up. That was another one of his terms. Uh, short hair only, by the way, from my father. Uh, That's right. Anything else wouldn't do. Uh, <laughs> so uh, we're at the bottom of the hour break. We're going to take a break. And uh, already, huh? Ward's weather went very fast. Uh, and we appreciate you all uh, tuning in. I'm watching the chat line. We're uh, going to pick up anything you want to talk about in the chat line. And we'll be right back in a moment with Ward's Weather. And we'll continue discussing what really is a great list that has been put together by Ted over time as we've talked. We've kind of collated this now and kind of got it down to bullets. And we'll run it by you again and see if you all approve of it. We've been going down this list, not in any particular order, but uh, any order is great because every item on the list is being lost in the sideshows of D.C. D.C. Yeah. is sort of like a circus coming through town. Step right up and see the three-legged lady. You know, it's um, as a kid, I used to, I got to admit, I used to go to it. 
you know. Oh, yeah, yeah, they're great. Entertainment. Yeah, they were great. See the baby in the jar. And, oh, boy, I, went, <laughs> you know, I bet on that one, too. And, oh, boy, here we go. I loved it when the, it all came to town, you know, really was I was called them carnies, you know, and they were. Yeah. They were on the road all the time. They were an interesting. That's what I always called the campaign trail. It's like a bunch of carnies. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I just yeah, felt yeah. like it was carny. You know, where's the peanuts and the popcorn? Because the sideshows out here are the freak shows. Yeah, yeah. We'll be right back on the Ward Scott Files with Ward's weather after a tip of our hat to our sponsors. Although the owner of Lewis Oil Company maintains she is 29, Lewis Oil turns 60 years old in June. Chevron would like to recognize the North Florida second-generation family-owned business, celebrating its growth and staying power. Lewis Oil Company maintains significant on-hand supplies, strategically located fuel depots, a delivery fleet, on-site service, fuel card locks, and convenience stores. Lewis Oil Company understands its responsibility in the local economy by providing service and delivery on demand and in crisis. As a first responder for 18 Florida counties and the southeast from Texas to Virginia, we are proud of this rare accomplishment. Lewis Oil delivers. Attention all Gator fans, Meldon Law is giving away a chance to experience the Florida Georgia game like never before. Two nights stay at the Hilton on the River, dinner at Ruth Chris Steakhouse, two premium tickets to the game, and football signed by coach Billy Napier and much more. Go to the Melden Law Facebook page and look for the VIP experience for two. Good luck and go Gators! This is Ward Scott and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Prime Prevention Security Systems, Large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. Ward Scott Files Gold sponsors are Lewis Oil Company, Shoot GTR, On the Spot Dry Cleaners, RR Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com. And click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Ward Scott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Or that very much surprises me that you've never been tased. You can't handle the truth! All these poop. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Welcome back to Ward Weather Report. My golly, on the Ward Scott Files, Ward's Weather Report. And it's brought to you by Lewis Oil. Fossil fuel, ain't nothing wrong with it. We're talking a little bit about this whole uh, hoax of uh, climate change, but it's hot. It's been hot before, I assure you. It's hot now. And it will get cool again. You have to just take care of yourself and govern yourself accordingly. But let me share with you that President Joe Biden recently sat down with um, a weather gal, a meteorologist, and talked and underscored the need for climate. Here's a phrase for you. Remember, the left controls the English language. Okay? It's another thing that bewilders me why the Republicans don't respond to this and come up with their own lexicography, like the way the left does. This new term is called climate resiliency. 
Now, I might be out of the loop and never have heard it before. You did, perhaps. But this is the first time I've really seen it in a conversation between the president and a weather meteorologist as an official kind of conversation, allegedly to build up a defense against weather disasters. Now, you know, how much of this do you want to step right up and see at the carnival? Um, The president calls climate change, I doubt anybody understands this, by the way, including him, an existential threat. Now, we could have a little contest here and see which one of you out there can define existential existential threat. Huh? You know, that's a pretty heavy philosophy. So that's what he says is facing a humanity. And he was speaking, of course, with me, Stephanie Abrams. Stephanie is a graduate of the University of Florida, by the way. And they're speaking in front of the Grand Canyon. You know, wouldn't you think the Grand Canyon would make the point that you can't control nature? I mean, how does Biden think the Grand Canyon got made? How does Biden think the Rocky Mountains got made? Have you ever been out there on the plateaus out there in the southwest? <laughs> yeah, let me let me just say that this is all due to in Biden's language, guess what? The effects of global warming. Yeah. So old Uncle Joe is out there in front of the Grand Canyon of all probably you can't make this up. If I were a movie director making a satire movie, and God, we don't have good movies anymore, in my estimation anyway. Dr. Strangelove, I liked, of course, riding the bomb down and all that. We need something like this. Or Saturday Night Live, if they weren't so afraid of their shadow, that they do a spoof on this. So we're going to come back to Ted Yo now. He's sitting in Marathon Keys. Ted, I could not resist making the point that the conversation took place in front of the Grand Canyon. Come you know, on. We've been out there, and you walk those plateaus that are up thousands of feet in elevation, and there's seashells up there. Yeah. And so, I mean, you got to wonder, well, this was probably underwater at some point. And, um, yeah, so, you know, what we should focus on is we should, we should pay attention to the things that we can control and uh, prepare for the things outside of our control. And I think if we get better with resources, you know, and get smarter with technology as we have in the past, uh, things, you know, we're doing the best that we can as far as preparing for the next generations. Um, Instead of worrying about this existential threat, uh, this all falls into the WEF, the World Economic Forum, and the WHO and the UN. You know, the, the UN is part of their charter. Uh, their motto is Sustainable Growth Development, SGD. And this is something that falls into climate change and all this stuff. So it's a worldwide movement. But I think America can come out of that and lead through example by better policies and move on to the to the next um, the next technologies that are they'll, they'll, they'll come out. But this ties into a word. And uh, I've been doing some reading on Homer and the Iliad. Yeah. Talking about sophist. Right. S-O-P-H-I-S-T. And it's a teacher of philosophy um, that is well, uh, they're great orators, and they're good at convincing people of an idea, even though it may not be true. And that, of course, that's the root word of sophistry, which is one of my favorite root words, because it's just, political BS that you talk to like you're an authority, like existential threat, defiant resiliency to the point where you get people all worried. And and so they're going to, you know, they're going to ride bicycles and drive electric vehicles that are terrible for the environment, the electrical vehicles. But yet they're doing that because somebody was a good talker like Al Gore. I can't say Kamala Harris or Joe Biden, but they have the mouthpieces around them, the media and Hollywood and all that. And, um, you know, it's just kind of funny because history 
it repeats itself. And you go back to the, you know, to the Iliad when Homer wrote that, there was that good and bad evil or good and bad conflict, and we still see it. Uh, and it's amazing that we—it's amazing we have progressed as far as we have in some regards, but we haven't progressed in others. Um, you know, you reference something that's uh, so fascinating. I was listening to the new mayor, newly elected mayor of Chicago, uh, talk about an absolute chaotic scene by youth in the streets of Chicago. And they had to bring the cops in and stores, you know the story. Mm -hmm. And he was defending the behavior of the youth as just, oh, well, youth will be youth. And he's black and most of the youth were black. The reporter asked him, basically, how can you say that? And he used words like, I'll never forget this. I was sitting there saying, he told the reporter, don't obfuscate the situation. And I thought, what in the hell? You know, don't obfuscate the situation. Dude, who are you trying to impress, you know? He used that language to disguise the real situation, to direct you, this is a sophist, to direct you away from the meat and potatoes of the issue. Um, you know, exactly the opposite type of leader. I was listening to him the other day just to get my head cleaned out was Reagan. Yeah. Reagan communicated with the American people. He sure did. In American folk language with illustrative stories that they could identify with. And he was called the great communicator. He sure was. You know, you trusted what he was saying. Uh, When he got ready to talk to Gorbachev about the Berlin Wall, he didn't say, Mr. Gorbachev, Gorbachev, you're obfuscating the situation. (laughs) I know everybody knows what he said. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. What is it you don't understand about tear down this wall? You know, he was really the last great leader of this nation to preserve this nation and understood where it was heading. And uh, I sure hate to think that he was right that we're that far or that close to losing our freedom. But he sure was spot on. And it's happening in front of us. We're living through that period of time unless we have a leader that can unite us. Well, don't see it. I don't see it coming because the process. I think there's. More dark days ahead, unfortunately, although there there shouldn't be. I mean, we've got the best thing going on the planet if we could just come together as a nation. Well, going over Ted, I'm going to call this Ted's list that we came up with in discussion the last time we were talking with each other about a week ago. And um, number one on it was the debt. We talked about that. It's worse than ever. It's, I wonder how much worse it is. Just in one week, Ted, from the last time we talked about it. My God, you know, what? A, imagine that. Uh, we haven't talked about China. And what, what, is, what is, you know, they're, they're obviously going out and testing us. I saw in the journal with Russia up near Alaska. Yep. Yeah. Um, Russia has the largest borders of the Arctic circle you know they have the largest land mass and the way it's the 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 arctic treaty is written is all countries that border the arctic circle have claim to that according to their borders well china is wanting to lay claim to that because they want they their claim is this we're a near arctic country so therefore we have rights too which is not in the agreement but china's historically great at going against the norm and uh, international order. So they're challenging this and they're teaming up with Russia and they're doing military exercises and they're, they're replicating what we're doing in the South China sea, you know, the freedom of navigation that we've been doing and we've been doing it since the, since the cold war. And it's something we've always done. And Robert Gates, book, who was secretary of defense under five different presidents. He, he has a story about this when we were doing an arms sale to Taiwan the Chinese general, a 
uh, got up and spoke out in strong language against what we were doing. And Gates asked him, well, we've been doing this for, you know, 50 years. What's your problem? He goes, we were weak then and we are strong now and we will not tolerate this. So you can see this march in China's and their military strength and their economy. And we're not paying enough attention to that. You know, if you look at what they control in the world, all you have to do is go to a store and see where that product was made. China controls pretty much everything we buy. They control the rare earth metals that go into our military, our computers, our chips, our, um, our military jets. They control that, and they have been known to withhold that, and they're threatening to withhold it now because of our policies. And they're continually expanding, not just in the South Asia and the South China Sea, but they're in Cuba. They're in the Arctic Circle. They control both ends of the Panama Canal. And, uh, and we're sitting there in Congress having these silly uh, hearings and fights. Sorry for the background noise. But we're having these, these insignificant hearings compared to the times that we are in where we should be focusing on the major issues that we're uh, focusing on. And the thing with China's economy, it is hurting. It is crumbling. But if you look at the great conflicts over the last 200 or 100 years, a lot of that was fomented by poor economies in the invading country. And um, there's a lot of the markers of what preempts a war and um, a world war. And we see a lot of those around the world. You know, there's economic upheaval. There's citizen upheaval. There's challenge to uh, the natural order of, of, or the the normal order of um, uh, policies and, and politics in a nation. You look at our nation, you look at these other nations around the world, see what's going on in Niger's, Venezuela and all these countries around the world, Iran. And, um, all these things are bubbling at the same time, and that's never a good thing historically. And that's what Congress well, should be focused on. To what degree do um, I hate to say this because it's almost this conspiratorial paranoia? Is China smart enough to fuel our distractions? Really, I got to say through the Biden stuff, Hunter. Oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Am I out to lunch on that? Smart, very strategic in what they do. It goes back to Sun Tzu, back from ancient times, the art of war. They are using Hunter Biden to distract our leadership. Is that too far-fetched? No, not just distracted, but I think almost guiding or uh, extorting them, maybe. You know, that'll come out maybe in the future. Um I mean, just the idea of the money he got, he, Hunter, and maybe Joe and, you know, family members of Biden's got out of China should be enough concern for all of Congress, not just Republicans, but all of Congress to want to know who in the hell are these people listening to? And what do, what do they have on these that uh, create the policies? You know, that CHIPS Act that Biden did, there is a big reward for China in that for chips, you know, they can, there are workarounds where that they, China would benefit hugely from it. Even in the Build Back Better and uh, Inflation Reduction Act, China can benefit from the rare earth metals that come from there. Even though we say we can't get them from China, China has arms in all these other countries in mining. And so we're going to buy it from a, a company in South America or in, in Africa that is an African company, but it's controlled by China. And you know, China has been very strategic in what they didn't. And I think one of the biggest things people need to be concerned about is they control both sides of the Panama Canal. Luckily, the Panamanians are looking to get China out of the Panama Canal. And I hope they can do that. And I hope we can form a good enough relationship with Panama. We've had a dicey relationship with them um, to where we can get control back of that or let Panama control it and then we can support them on that but it should not be in control of China. And thanks to Jimmy Carter, that's what it is. Thanks to Jimmy Carter, Taiwan got delisted as a, a nation state. And um, that's where they became part of China. The one, um, one country, two countries, one policy. Uh, that, that was Jimmy Carter. Jimmy Carter did that. Uh, 
he did a lot with the department. Of, you know, he created the Department of Energy and uh, the EPA, um, or the yeah, and um, gave away the Panama Canal. Yeah, Jimmy Carter was um, only lusted in his. How do you say it, in Playboy? Only lusted in his heart or something. I remember it was one of those comments he had to give. I have lusted for other women. I think. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, you know. You know I mean, he was honest. I mean, it's not like Bill Clinton. Well, I swear by Yeah, right. You. Oh, golly. And the Democrats Check. celebrate him. <laughs> Just checking around on the chat line here uh, to see what we're talking about here. I, um, still wondering what the administration will do when Taiwan is attacked. Well... I guess that's a $64,000 question. I think they're going to have to respond to the world response because I think you're going to see Japan go to war. And if they go to war, we've got to go to war. And we've already got the Taiwan Relations Act from 1974 that said that we would sell Taiwan enough offensive, defensive weapons to protect them against any invasion. And um, We'd be on, if, in, a, in a Ukraine situation there. It'll be worse than Ukraine. I mean, Ukraine, um, to me, that is something that NATO should be strong on and Europe, the EU, because it's in their backyard and we're members of NATO, so we should participate accordingly. Uh, we should not be the sole supplier and these these um, um, bombs that we're um, shipping, what are they called, cluster bombs. The cluster bombs... Those those are bad news, and uh, for us to put them out there, those are what we dropped in uh, Cambodia, Vietnam. That fifty years later, we're still trying to clean those up in those fields, and we have spent hundreds of millions of dollars doing that. And this is something that we're going to be held responsible for future generations because of our policies. And this is where the world should come together, liberal democracy should come together, and just cut Russia off from everything. But then you have greed coming in there. You have people are going to buy and cheat the sanctions to keep Russia afloat. And um, you're supporting a bad actor. And this is what I don't understand about China. China, we know, is actively involved in human organ harvesting. It's a $20 billion a year industry. We've had hearings on that. We know they're doing it. The Senate Foreign Intelligence, um, Security, or Foreign Intelligence hearings in 2012 said ZTE and uh, Huawei were national security threats, yet we waited so long to move on that. We know they have the Thousand Talents program where they have their professors come over here, work in our universities, our labs, our uh, military installations, steal secrets, and they take them back to China. They're tasked with doing that through hook and crook and intimidation because they said, if you don't do this, your, your family's in jeopardy. And so China has been doing this and why we allow anything and like Home Depot and these big department stores are supporting China, knowing what they're doing. And we're not even gotten into the forced labor camps of the Uyghurs, which is um, a Muslim sect uh, of um, Northwest China. Um, And we just let this stuff go on. And it's uh, unconscionable that we do that. I literally try not to buy anything made in China, but sometimes you, you have no choice. Right. Well, Ted, we're down to about five minutes left. You asked me to come back to the leadership issue. So I'm going to take you up. I'm going to take you up on that request and let you comment on that as you want. Well, I'm going to share this with you. And I guess everybody that's listening is I, I consider getting into this race, uh, the presidential race. And I had written out why, you know, I'm a supporter of Trump's. Um, I think we'll always be thankful for what he did as the Supreme Court, the American Jobs uh, Tax Cut and Jobs Act. Uh, the Abraham Peace Accords, uh, and the list goes on. Getting NATO to pay up their fair shares, the hard stance he took against China, what he did on the border, you know, and uh, to bring back that pride in America. But during that process, there was more division in this country fueled by the left, by the Antifa groups, the brown shirts of the Democratic Party. And I would support him if he was the nominee, for sure. Um but like everybody else, he is unabashed. We feel he's unabashed in his attitude and his tactics. 
and I don't need him to apologize for any of that. You know, I accept him as who he is because that's what we hired him to do as a job. But my concern is what you're seeing right now with all these people going after him and new charges coming up and they're going to continue to come up. And if he's the nominee, there's going to be that many more. And then they're going to have the, the circus in the courts and all that stuff. My concern is if a person like that, number one, does he have the stamina to weather that? He looks haggard and I don't know how he couldn't be, but if he becomes the, the, the president again, can he commit a hundred percent of his efforts in running this country the way it should be? And I would venture to say, no, no, I don't think anybody can with that kind of an attack. And then I look at the other field. You've got Ron DeSantis, who I know, and you've got Vivek Rasaswamy. And then the other ones are all career politicians is what I see. And they're going to just be, they're going to be the rhinos. Mike Pence, he is the epitome of the Washington establishment. And I see Tim Scott in that same vein. I don't see anybody looking to do anything different. I don't hear anything different. Our strategy was going to be, you know, we're not Republicans or Democrats, liberals or conservatives. You can be all those things. But at heart, we need to be Americans first and unite this country together and bring it around those things to move us like a moonshot of the Kennedys, you know, ask not what your country can do for you, but what can you do for your country and have a leader like that, that is strong on those things that are basic to America fundamentals. And um, Carolyn and I talked about that and we both decided this is not the right time. And, um, you know, I just pray that there's a leader like that, that can come out and unite America around our values and we need a re-education process in the point that we need to come together and redefine who we are as Americans and what does that mean. And that gets into our educational system. And if you know the old adages and they're old adages and they stick around forever because they're true, if you don't remember your history, you're doomed to repeat it. And that starts with education at the very beginning. And, um, you know, this nonsense we're going through now with uh, sex education and transgenderism and uh, uh, kindergarten to sixth grade, you know, that's not the rights of the school. That's your parent, and it comes down to good parenting. And so that's my uh, <laughs> that's my tirade. Uh, well, it was a good one, and uh, I think you'd have a lot of support for that particular approach. It's um, a tough job, as you know, to do that, and not for the weak of heart or the faint it's of, not. you know, it's, it's, you're going to get slammed right away. They've done a tremendous job of slamming DeSantis. Um, yeah, they have. Make, they really have. They've been very good at that. Slamming him, misrepresenting him. And of course, some of it is because Trump has just sucked all the air out of the room for better or worse. There's some really good things about him, of course, he's done. But if he's elected, he's gonna. They're gonna keep after him. They've already kept after him since 2016. They ain't gonna stop. This guy is absolutely the devil incarnate to them. Yeah, and, he's too much of a threat to the to the deep yeah. state. And there is a deep state that's active. I mean, we saw it evident with the uh, 51 intelligence officers that came after Trump and said there was collusion. I mean. Those people ought to be gone. They should lose their security clearances and uh, almost investigated for treason. Well, we'll pick this theme up again, I'm sure. Uh, it's not going to go away. It's gotten a little bit more concerning since we talked last uh, Wednesday, Ted and I. We in great, uh, invite you all to get involved and get involved in the political process. Write your people and make yourself known. I uh, wouldn't charge capital right now. Uh, with any right. kind of stick, they'll probably come looking for you for life if you do that. And um, I'm going to be speaking about this stuff up in uh, Lafayette County, the REC up there, Lafayette County. Oh, yeah. Uh, August 15th, which is next Monday. Um, they've invited me to come up and speak. Good, good. Maybe we can somehow. So anybody that in that area wants to come, come on and see us. Give me a reminder of that, and I'll put it out on, on the show. When we get All right, man. All right, good thanks enough. for coming by today, Ted. We'll see you in a week. And, uh, all y'all have the best day you can possibly have and stay cool. All right. Y'all take care. Bye. Fort Hope Command Center out.